0: You are now tuned in to another episode of Bourbon and Books, the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev.
1: Welcome to another edition of Bourbon and Books with the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev, along with our good brother, Cousin Jeff. Back for one
0: more game. What's going on, fellas?
2: We here. Another book. Yes,
0: sir. Another book. One time, too. I'm I'm. I'm Impressive. I am impressed.
1: You ain't, you ain't have faith in us, man? And
0: that's not what I said. That's not what I said. Okay, I was just I was That's just not terrifying. what I did not say, but that's not
2: what I said. <laughs> <It's fair>. <laughs> <laughs> just, just reach over and slap him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know, man, man,
0: the will to change. Um, I... You know, I'll just jump into because I was getting ready to talk more about the book, but we're gonna jump in uh typical urban and books fashion. Um, The Will to Change by Bell Hooks, men, masculinity, love. Heavy topic, heavy title. What was your take on the title alone? Yeah, man, I
1: feel uh I feel like um I was bamboozled. They had a straight. Say more. muck. And all due respect, all due respect, man, I got mad love for Bell Hooks and all that she's accomplished. Born as Gloria Jane Watkins, better known as Bell Hooks, who is uh, a scholar in um, feminism and love, race, gender, as well as sexuality and uh, how all of the above are portrayed in mass media and at the first glance at the title um, the will to change men masculinity and love by bell hooks who is a feminist the first thing i thought about was i don't need a feminist telling me how to love and how to be a man I'm not, I'm not with it right now, man. I'm not re- I'm not with anybody's opinion, not with anybody's perspective. And I was just like, yo, I wasn't trying to read a book, but somebody was talking down to me, the whole book. Um, but that was at first glance, the cover. And then uh, one of the key questions that I had was like, all right. How can a scholar tell me how to effectively love, be a man, and uh, figure out life, love, and all points in between when you're not walking in my shoes? So that was like the first thought that I had when I looked at the title and the cover of the book alone. And I won't, I wasn't, I wasn't with the smoke.
2: You know, I'll say for me, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Negro. So when I saw the title, I'm thinking Will Smith changing, you know, the, 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 the will to change. The will to change, yo. A good one, cousin Jim. I, I, I was like, okay, but you know, for the folks who have been following this pod, I would uh-huh. normally just say, you know, long as the book ain't too long, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm game. It fell I don't, in the
1: page <laughs> limit required. Right.
2: I don't. I don't do a lot of, uh, I guess, previews in terms of like authors and you know, knowing a lot about their works. Uh, so. I've went into this with like my eyes wide open. What I do like about this book club is a lot of these books. I just would not pick up on my own. I probably would never have picked this book up. Um, yeah. If I, and this this has nothing to do with my thoughts on the book. I'm just saying like, it's the topic. Yeah. It's probably not a topic that I would, would pick up on. And that's what I like about the beauty of this, because I feel like we read an array of books, but you know, just thinking about the title, I thought it was maybe going to be about a story about a man wanting or trying to change. Like, that's what I thought it really was just going to be about. It's going to have a main character, and he's going to go through some trials and tribulations to change. That's not what <laughs> was going on. <laughs> but those were my initial thoughts of the book. And I'll say I did not know about Bill Hooks. And you know what? Let me take that back. I had seen a couple of her quotes, but I didn't. I saw the quotes, but it wasn't like, oh, this is who Bell Hooks is. I just know that her name had been referenced before.
1: Her name was ringing bells in the streets.
2: Yes. See
1: what I did there. I, I
2: caught it. I caught it. That was
0: good attempt. I was very interested by the title alone only because, um, like I I shared with kevin i had the opportunity to sit in one of her classes interesting and and to get just to get a whole lot of her insight and her perspective on a lot of things like one of my favorite books is um all about love Hmm. that talks about the concept of love um so, yeah, I was, I was intrigued by the title and knowing, um, her perspective on a lot of different concepts and theories and her paradigm on just relationships and relating to others. I knew it was going to be a heavy hitter. Like I said, in the group chat, I started the book a while back and got distracted. Like I read the intro. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do X, Y and Z. And I don't I don't remember what that was. And I don't remember anything I read. So um, this definitely gave me the opportunity to go from bound to bound with the contents therein. But once we opened it. What were your initial thoughts? Because for me, I, I had the audible version as well, and I was driving and I was like, oh, she's coming out swinging <laughs> like she's i felt she was coming out swinging to let you know like yo this this ain't for those that are um who who feel that you know they have reached the the pinnacle of masculinity and like whose ego is shallow and Like, this ain't it. This, this, I'm letting you know. Like, if this, if this is the foundation, each chapter is going to get deeper and deeper. And Mm -hmm. you can tell because her language shifted in a couple of those chapters. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got people in the car. Wait a minute. You dropping some, dropping some, uh, some words here, lady. Uh, but yeah, what were your thoughts once you began to dive into the bounds of the book?
1: When I started reading, um, you know, I tried to check my ego and uh, any bias I had at the door, honestly. Um, I'll be frank with you when I started reading reading, a lot of the things that she discussed were were triggers for me, um, especially when she um, dives in to um, her personal experiences with men loving whether it was good bad or indifferent um and the setup was like all right so you're gonna you're gonna go down and do a rundown of everything that's wrong with how men love but like you said you said her language changed so i think her language changed in every chapter she kind of started out with the good the bad the ugly and then gave a lot of context in terms of why it's considered the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then she goes a step further to really um, unpack um, this concept of patriarchy. And for our listeners that don't know, uh, patriarchy is a system of society or government in which the father or eldest male is head of the family, and um this uh, the descendants are traced through the male lineage so that's like one one definition Um, the definition that she focuses mainly on in this book really deals with uh, an ideology that um males or men in some cases could be interchangeable it's really about a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. But it's not necessarily, the book doesn't focus focus on how men hold or harness or harbor the power. It's really about how we as a society have um, created other systems, capitalism, imperialism, white nationalism and all of it has a root of foundation in patriarchy the concept that um as boys a male doesn't have uh, a male isn't trained by the, neither their mother or father to really be in tune or attached with their emotions a male isn't trained traditionally to uh express their emotions or express their fears. And she goes back and through through the book, she talks about we are as males from the time that we are boys, we are groomed to be warriors. We're groomed to be strong will. We're groomed to be uh, the king of the hill. Uh, We're groomed to uh, exhibit anger, rage, and violence. However, if that's how we kind of think about love early on, then sometimes your your, uh, perception of love equates to like, all right, sex, (laughs) or your perception of love equates to um, you know, how can you as a male have power to be in a position to rule versus love? You know, it's it's more so about um, rule versus compassion. And she kind of breaks down different scenarios. And one of the things that stuck out to me when she broke down a scenario between how she, how she was raised in her two-parent household by her father, who was like, king of the patriarchs, as far as like his perception on life, and how her mother adopted those tendencies, and how they treated and disciplined her and her brother, and she talks about how she was kind of more uh, boisterous and more outgoing, more physical, um, more uh, commanding than her her brother. Her brother was more timid. And soft hearted and kind in nature and spirit. Mm-hmm. And that went against all of the things that her father was teaching. Like she, 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 uh, she gives this analogy. They're playing this game of marbles, and she's like son and her brother, and like take house and marbles from him and like really taking control over the game. Her father sees this. her father gets angry at both of them, father gets angry at the son because it's like you're not standing up for yourself. And you're not being a quote-unquote man. You're not being tough. Then he gets mad at her because she is um, exhibiting behavior that he wants to see in his son, but he believes in his mind that as a young girl or as a woman, you're supposed to be soft-spoken, meek, uh, mild-mannered, timid. And she, she talks about this concept of patriarchy from early development and then how at least in her brother's case how he kind of matriculated to become a man and he battled with um a lot of emotions and how to express those emotions she gives another example about a boyfriend a partner that she was with and he was all about you know feminism from this perspective of a support a support a, a supporter of it but when they got together, he was very much coming from a, a pa- patriarchal approach as far as wanting to control her, wanting to show, showcase power in the household, wanting to uh, be or be deemed as what men are typically seen as. You know, the whole concept, Brother Jan we've talked about this before, around toxic masculinity. I think this concept and theory of uh, patriarchy is like the toxic masculinity 1.0. It really talks about the foundation and the root of how toxic masculinity comes to existence and how patriarchy actually um, has roots in racism. It has roots in sexism. It has roots in homophobia because the male is supposed to be the dominant, powerful being in society. And so Everyone is trained, not just men, but also women, to adopt these behaviors that really puts young boys, young males, young men into a box that limits their ability to uh, feel and experience their emotions, communicate their emotions, and um, to try to be a, come from a genuine place to love effectively and to be compassionate and to be loving. And it's almost like the trigger for me was like, damn, as a society, we handicap our our young boys from a very early age by common things that we've talked about previously. Boys don't cry, suck it up, be tough, Um, defend yourself at all costs like we 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 train our boys to essentially be be violent and to be um hard and sometimes to be emotionally tone deaf. And so as I read the book and she's giving examples and giving examples of patriarchy in different facets of life, I'm like, yo, she's really getting to the root of why we have a lot of the problems we have in our households, our families, divorce rates, uh single parent households, et cetera, especially because it's magnified in the black households in particular that I believe. And so I thought it was dope how, you know, she tried to get to the basic foundation of what causes toxic masculinity. And I don't think the purpose of the book was to get people to say, yeah, I agree. I think it was to get people to understand how things are the way they are and understand that it needs to change in order for future generations for it to be different. And so as I read through all of the chapters, you know, that theme kind of kept coming back to me and a lot of triggers for me, though, a lot of triggers, man, because it's just not a male thing. You know, females adopt these adopt these toxic behaviors as well and contribute to it and so i, I, I w- it was refreshing to really see um like a shared sense of responsibility and accountability to both males and females as it relates to a man being able to change their behavior and have a paradigm shift of how they love what's defined as masculinity and what's and and how you define what being a man really and truly looks like. Because I think uh, systemically we have things in place that kind of supports us being Neanderthals or supports us uh, being able to rage out versus truly managing your emotions um, and the outcome should be a a loving environment a nurturing environment and so yeah that, that those were my thoughts as i started to read through the book and um that was kind of like a central thing that kept coming back to me like damn yo this is way bigger than um you know the the hot the hot topic uh terms of today toxic masculinity like where does it truly truly come from and it's it's not necessarily the sole uh, fault or responsibility of men but i think society over generations and generations and hundreds and thousands of years has slowly ingrained this mindset in everybody
2: i mean we're just ready for the benediction at this point cuz stop <laughs> i mean you said it all and you 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 knocked it out of the park i mean honestly this book one is a delicate topic so as I talk about it, I like to watch what words you know I'm using. I think one of the things that the author talked about was, let me say this, she was utilizing words that I think society does not use, but we know about. So it's about putting a word to like what's out there. To be honest, I have not really read a book on this subject matter and in this magnitude So it really was like a one-on-one and I I literally wrote that down. It was a one-on-one when we talk about, and it's not, it, it it isn't a end all be all. You're not going to find everything on feminism and patriarchy, but it's like a starter because it, it gives you like that foundation of like, you know, all these things that we do, Hey, this is where this was birthed from. This is, this is how it affects. And to your point, it's not, it's not, that men are, from what I gathered, it wasn't, it's not men who, who are solely responsible for creating it and they're not the ones that's keeping it going. So it, it <laughs> this covered a lot <laughs> and it just opened my eyes to a lot of things that we do in society, a lot of things that I do, a lot of, a lot of things that come out of my mouth Things that I have said today, things that I have said in the past. And now I'm somewhat like just being more mindful of, to your point, just re- rearing like men, rearing women. The whole thing with the marbles. It's just kids playing. Yeah. But we, we put in our own thoughts and opinions on it and we're shaping like who they become. Hmm, This book... It was it was more than what I thought it was gonna be. I, I think Ronald was the only one who he just knew what this was gonna be about. Oh yeah, he
1: he I, knew, I, but he ain't even I, he didn't even hit, get his hip to the game though, cousin. He, Joe. Did, he, he sat back and watched her sweat this whole time. The whole time. I literally felt You're welcome, like
2: welcome, damn it. I felt <laughs> like he he said that you know he had sat in one of her classes. I felt that I was sitting in one of her classes while you cause. To be to be truthful, I bought the book, so I was reading it. Then I went to audio. I kept going back and forth. Audio, book. Audio, book. Why? I don't know. But that's just what I was doing on, on this particular one. I'll try to cover um, some of the other things that you kind of talked about. Um, just more anecdotes that she put in the book, which I thought was a bit heavy. Um, you know, sometimes I don't read the, the preface of the book, but it just all depends. If I'm like, I want to be nosy. I'm like, let me peek in here. What are they, what are they talking about in the preface? And, you know, she talked about, to, to a certain extent, like her relationship with her dad. Um, I recall in a book, she, she said, or she was maybe she was telling a story about how her dad got a heart attack and he's laying in the, the yard, in the garden, and basically they're calling the cops. And she said, this was the first time she felt like that close to her dad. And this was the first time she was like holding her dad without being in fear. And I just, I was like, wow. So you telling me as, as your dad is taking his last breaths and he's going to another place, it's like in death, you felt closer to him than, than you did in life. And it, you know, I, I felt like this preface was a good introduction to what was going on because i think she also talked about how in some instances death was a way out of fear which stemmed a little bit from wait until your father comes home," and that's as kids you know that that's when you started to be fearful of specifically your dad it's just like and in this book you know i'm just gonna be honest i love my dad i really do my dad has taught me a lot of good lessons. I don't think I could be the man that I am today, like without my dad. But I, I did see a lot of stories. I saw like my dad in it. And I know like my dad used to work like overnight. So I used to see my dad, my dad, we, he would work typically from eight 8 p.m. to like 6 or 7 a.m. So it was basically like flip. My dad was coming home. We was going off to school. And literally, when we talk about wait till your dad gets home, like, that's what it was. If, if my mom told me wait till my dad get home, it wasn't to say hi. It wasn't to help me out with no homework. <laughs> you know, if you was in a black, old, black household, you know exactly what that meant. Um, but yeah, I thought she started the book off uh, very intentional. And it, it really was a good introduction to what was about to be um, said or just the story she was about to tell. Uh, I thought it was also very real when she said a lot of women like you, you live in this uh, patriarch type of environment for so long that you, you're scared to kind of like go off and like do, do your own thing for the lack of a better words and as a result you stay and you live in almost like this fantasy that everything is going to get better. Life is going to get better. Or you you make up in your mind, like, you know, it's going to be okay. And it's, it's a lot of like women that's living unhappy lives because they just don't know what life will be without it. Like they have grown up for so long wanting this, wanting this protector, Wanting this head of the household, wanting like somebody who will be there um, for them. They don't, they don't have to worry. And then to see how that plays out, it's almost like you regretting like those decisions. But a lot of will and jada moments in
1: this joint, man. Like real talk. You a lot can of will Oh yeah, a lot of will and jada moments because this is why. Because. Um, one of the pieces that she kind of discussed in the book was the acceptance of women um, into the system where they want protectors, you know, they want the tough guy. They want the bad boy. Like, we've heard this. We've heard this in our own camps. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. yo, the the nice guy finishes last. Mm -hmm. You know, the nice guy's corny. It's the badass that you know. Russell Wilson. Yeah, you know, that can, yeah, same thing. Russell Wilson future, right? right. It's, the, it's the nice guy that's corny, and the corniness um, doesn't equate to be a protector or mm-hmm. security, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, Mike Tyson, protector, security, right? Different lifestyles, but the perspective is oh, well, I'm, I'm safer with Mike Tyson than I am with Russell Wilson.
0: Perspective,
1: perspective, right? And and she's and she keeps hitting at it because she's not letting women off the hook in this joint. Now mind you, she ain't letting men off the hook, but she ain't letting women off the hook in this joint because they they reinforce the narrative that, um, you know, you gotta be you gotta be tough, you gotta be hypersexual, um, you gotta get a lot of money, you gotta you gotta you gotta like put, have certain outcomes to solidify and certify your masculinity.
2: And, and you know, what's f- funny about that? I thought it was kind of like an ouch moment in the book when she said some of the, <laughs> some of the people who essentially they do this, the worst are single mothers. I was like, ooh.
1: And that and that was a trigger for me because my was... own experience, like I've seen it, like, you know, my mother, my mother real rap was way harder on me than my sister, but it was harder, like, trying to make sure that I'm, I'm prepped for the world. Right. But, to, and, and, and Bell Hooks talks about this, for a young boy to be prepped for the world, you have to be able to shut it off and shut down and be hard and hardened. And, like, towards the end of the book, she talks about how, like, all little boys love the Incredible hook. Mm-hmm. Then she kind of she kind of broke down what the Incredible Hulk was, you know, when when he was a person of color and he was green, he was a enraged psychopath smashing everything. When he was Bruce Banner, he was a mild tempered white man who was a researcher, non threatening way about the world. But in both instances, because he was Bruce Banner and the Hulk, he had to kind of disconnect himself from society and from love and from compassion and kind of walk down this very isolated and narrow path and when you think about it as men like yo men crying the dark man why because it's constantly reinforced don't show your emotions because you're punk don't show your emotions because you're soft don't show your emotions because um people might take advantage of. Them. Right. And then you become a man that has a, a, another child or a daughter or a son and this is what you're teaching them as children. And so the cycle perpetuates itself constantly because like it's historically it's ingrained in us.
2: And I would say my last thought, you know, run on definitely um you can go from there. I <laughs> One of the things that is is interesting because I felt like she made really good points. And, you know, as a future father, when I think about raising kids, I want to raise my kids, right. You know, I want, I want to raise them to be good human beings to be able to explore. And when when I'm talking about explore, I'm meaning from a standpoint of like, you know, if my son don't want to play football, you can play, I don't know, lacrosse, hockey, baseball, like whatever it is, like not, you know, sometimes like with black, it's like basketball, football, track, like that's it. Letting them being able to decide or maybe you don't want to play sports like that is OK, but being being able to support them in whatever they want to do. At the same time. I do think about my kids being out there with wolves. I want to make sure that you know how to hold your own. And it, it is such a fine line of when, and when we talk about raising kids and even reading this book, there are so many things that this author says that's right, but it's like a machine that has been built. And it's like, do I, do I just ignore it or do I kind of prepare, but also say like, Hey, this is the full spectrum. But when kids are so young, like they, they can't see that big picture. And I feel like as a parent, like that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, hey, you know, like don't touch the stove. Like it's hot. You will get burnt. Instead of, hey, go out, do whatever. And it, it ends up causing them more harm than it is like helping them in the long run. Yo, so- as a
1: father, man, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly because the machine is bigger. As, as you know, as as we become more, uh, advanced technology-wise, um, access to information, the machine hits children, social media, television, YouTube, friends at school, TikTok, all of this shit constantly. So as a father, I get it because you want to protect your child and you want your child to be able to say, all right, either call wolf or shoot a wolf. Like, that. I mean, the, the analogy is kind of kind of morbid but internally as parents you think all right you're doing that to protect your child when you might be handicapping your handicapping your child which is kind of ill so i don't i don't think she was trying to give answers to it but to your point jeff it scared me because i'm just like yo i i understand what you're saying but yo it's killers in the street for real (laughs) it's wolves in the street for real and unfortunately as black men we are susceptible to those wolves on different levels so what do you do
0: brother jay i um one of the first quotes that uh i was reading and had to like rewind while i was listening had to rewind and hit the clip button was um was talking about how women could not seduce, control, or entice men to share their emotions to love us. And I thought that was very profound, like to think that you could seduce someone to share their most inner thoughts or feelings. Like you, you had to manipulate someone to share what they were honestly, honestly feeling. That that was that was intriguing to me. And like, we haven't even gotten to the part about sex.
1: Oh yeah, yeah that that was that was a man. That's like an, another conversation for another day. That like it was so heavy.
0: And so like as I slowly got away from that was page 1, right? I just grabbed my book off the shelf and I looked it was literally page 1. I was like, okay, after that introduction or the preface like, all right, cool, this this ain't going to be a Sunday kind of reading. I was really intrigued with um how it was merged like it was an equal opportunity book. Like everybody got their life handed to them in this. Mm-hmm. And just when you thought she was going to stay in one lane, she's like, all right, all right, "Nope, you got too comfortable. Let me bring it back over here." Um I I I I thoroughly enjoyed the book. It's one of the things where I said I'm definitely going to have to go back and reread it to process it um a chapter at a time i started doing that and then i had to keep going back and then when i looked at the calendar i was like no i got to get to the end um but my first copy of the book i had so many notes around and annotating everything it was like mm, let me go get another one so i can actually read it the next time or maybe i'll get the kindle version but there were so many things bro like i can't even i can't even begin to choose um, like one thing to really hone in on it overall, like as a collective, this book forced you to be reflective, and it also forced you to make a decision to change it forced you like you you had you 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 had no choice but to accept what was written, processed reflect. And then make a move. You had no choice. You 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 could not remain in the same state. And if you did, I'm sorry for you.
2: It was an altar call.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Real yeah, rap. And, real and, rap. And, and you you had to go up to the altar at that point because everybody's eyes was open and was looking like there's only one person left. Like it was like, oh shit, you must be. I'll do you one better. I, I I don't think it was, a, I think it could have been an altar
1: call, but I think it was a confessional.
0: Mm. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> But it, and it was each, each, hell, multiple times within each chapter, there was a call to action.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and it wasn't that she like inserted the call to action. I think she was just breaking it down in the best way she knew how. And I think that was just conviction. Not, not because it was your fault, right? Not because it was your intention, but this is what you were just exposed to. Yep. Like yep. one of the quotes that I wrote down um, was like, we can't heal what we don't feel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm in for a ride, right? I, my ride from the office that day did not seem long at all. And wounded men are not often able to say anything positive. Healing does not take place in isolation. You have to be intimate with yourselves, learn to feel and to be aware of their feelings and that men are on the path to love when they choose to become emotionally aware. We didn't start as men, right? And I'll speak personally. I don't recall having conversations about emotions until college.
1: I I would, I would second that brother Jay, but I'll keep it a book just from my own life. I really didn't have conversations about the importance of men being emotionally available Mm. until really the, probably the last couple of years, just trying to make sure my son was straight through COVID through, uh, family members passing away Mm -hmm. Through uh, the transition at middle school, uh, trying to fit in at middle school, um, helping him express his emotions without the outcome being him getting into a fist fight at school or him like showing out and putting extra sauce on things to like escalate the smoke, <laughs> elevate the smoke. It didn't happen to me until really recently. But because I never thought about it in the context of what do I need to be emotionally available so that I can love better or love mm. more. It was more so like, damn, I kind of already chalked it up that I was somewhat slighted in the head. I don't want my son to be in that same situation. And so it's important to try to, we going to break this shit now in terms of like uh, family ties and healing and trying to ensure that. Uh, he has the tools that he needs to kind of, and Jeff, you hit it, to be kind, yeah. to be compassionate, um, to be respectful, of course, but to be okay with giving of himself and loving himself and loving others. And that don't make you soft. That don't make you a punk. That don't make you less of a man. If anything, it makes you more of a man. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think, I think the, uh, the areas or the, the, yeah, the areas, um, of concern dwell in the fact that the individuals who were perpetuating this cycle were never taught anything different mm-hmm. yeah. and and that's not excusing their behavior, but yeah, like I said, college was the first time. I, I mean, we we learned about what emotions were in in school, but that was like surface level, and we just we just skipped past it. Um, Don't cuss when you're angry, Ronald. <laughs> stuff like that, right? Like, yeah. if, if you're mad, you got to figure out how to like channel your anger. Yep. Right. So play, we, talk- play yeah, yeah, we play a sport. Yeah, play a sport. We talked about feelings but we didn't talk about the ability to emote and to recognize the difference between the feelings and emotions and how both of those can take you over and under if you are not careful. We never really had that conversation. And um, when I started teaching on the college level, I remember – the facial expressions or the eyes of most of the men in my class when we started talking about stuff. And I was an individual, like as an instructor, I'm going to dig until I get the answer that I'm looking for. You can give me a surface and I'm just going to peel back the layer a little bit. And eventually you're going to give me more and I'm going to peel that layer back because my job is to force you to think more than what you've been thinking before you met me. That's my job as an instructor.
1: Cousin Jeff, he treated us like one of his students with this damn book. <laughs> I, was,
2: I was in you class. See, you, see what he
1: did there? you see what he did there? You see what he did there, Cousin Jeff?
2: I see exactly what the he most did.
1: The think he's slick. He that, think
0: he's slick. At my job as an instructor, right, is to change. He instructed us. To, yeah, to yeah. enhance. See what I did? Enhance,
1: enhance.
0: Enhance the way you look at things, but also to open your eyes and expand your vision so that you can see not necessarily more things, but more of the things that you're seeing. Yeah. And when it was talking yeah. about love and emotions, and many will many women cannot hear male pain about love because it sounds like an indictment of female failure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that was that that's something I bought down too as well, man, because it's in and and it's in it indictment for they believe it's an indictment of female failure from two ways. Well, like, man, the, the relationship at a marriage isn't working. So I'm less of a woman or my, what did my I do? Son, yeah. My son out here whiling. What did I do? And it's, it's fucked up because this is, this is systematic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it ain't your fault. It ain't your fault that um, the male didn't have the training to be able to do it. But on so mm-hmm. that's one instance. But then I, in that same uh paragraph, then she also talks about that some some women can't handle a man expressing their emotions because it comes off as he whining and complaining.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And and that in itself is a problem. Yeah. Right? And and I see this with a lot of the couples that I that I counsel and a coach. Being so rigid in your thinking. That if it doesn't go this way, then it so, the way that it's going is wrong. Well, in my house, this is what the men did. And he's doing mm-hmm. the opposite of what I was raised to see. So he's not being a man. Right. And so when I asked the question, I was like, well, tell me what else did you see in your house? And so she shared with me some things and I did this in front of her partner. So he's sitting there and I said, so in other words, you you want him to take his hand and put it upside your head. You want him to put his hand through the wall like your father did. You you want him to break shit when he's mad. And she goes, "Well, maybe not to that extent, but at least I know that he'll he'll be angry about something. At least I will know know that he cares because that's it. That's an ind- indication that he's feeling something, right?" I said, "Well, have you ever thought to I don't know ask how do you feel about this like?" How, like, you just experienced this. Like, what are you thinking? What, 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 what are you feeling? Like, mentally, where are you with this? Have, have you thought to use your words? And then, yeah, you know, I'm, when we started to examine some other things within the relationship, I, I pointed out some things. I'm like, so you want the man that you were used to, like the, how all the men in your family were. That's the type of man you want. And so she was like, I mean, that's where my definition of a man came from. I said, okay, how many of them are still married to the women that you called aunt or cousin or, hell, mom? Mm, The
1: the will to change, the will to change can be applicable to a woman, huh?
0: Right. And so she just looked at me. I said, are any of those individuals still married to the women within your family? And she paused for a while. I was like, so, so you want to repeat the cycle of dysfunction because that's what you're used to. We got a lot to unpack. Right. And so a lot of, a lot of those experiences, sister, queen, bell, mother hooks did her thing in processing and breaking it down into chunks. Like, and if this isn't for you, I hope you like bowling cause I'm about to come down your lane. Right. Like turn the page. No, like baby girl, baby boy, turn the page. And as you read something else, it's like, ooh, that one stung a little bit. And it's not because of what I've done, but just what I've been taught and how you're seeing everything being perpetuated and repeated and indoctrinated. Boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. I don't know why if a big boy, like if a little boy can cry, then show enough, big boys show enough can cry. Like, where does it say that at a certain age, crying has to stop? And why is that? I I get it back in the day. It was a thing of survival, like slavery. Don't show emotion. I get all that. We ain't there no more. Conceptually. But thinking about... How that, yeah, depending on yes, but thinking about <laughs> these guys, where that has gotten us to this point. I, I really, I, as an individual, anytime I talk to individuals, I'm like, yo, I really need you to start thinking as an individual and not basing what you do or comparing what you do for an outdated, dysfunctional definition
2: or framework. And that's what all of us do, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't. I don't think we people. People do what's convenient. Meaning, oh, that's what. That's what my mom did. That's what my dad did. But the way they
0: did it, so I'm gonna just do it this way.
1: Well, patriarchy is about order. You know, it's about it's about the like a a very very simplistic elementary outlook on order in the family and order in community, order in the society. You gotta have a fit you got to have a figurehead that has rule and power to create the order so everybody else falls in line and adopts toxic behavior yeah. like you talked about like you talked about uh domestic violence right brother jay um one of the things that she points out in the book was also from a um a professional a money earning standpoint well yeah my father was a provider my father was a provider and that's great. But your father also walked into the house, went into a room, closed the door, and didn't talk to nobody when he was there. Yeah. right. Because your, because your mother or whomever said, yo, let him do what he got to do because he hard worker, he bringing home the bacon, and he working hard. And it, even in that behavior alone, the father has no connection emotionally to nobody else in the household. Yeah. So yeah, you're providing a roof over somebody's head but you're also providing additional um, turmoil from within because then somebody might not know if their father love them or not. Yeah. Or somebody might not know, well, yo, uh, does, my, does my father support me in my endeavors? Uh, can I go to my father if uh, I, I'm hurting? And t- like if, if it's not like flesh and blood bleeding or something like that, if I'm hurting on the inside or if I'm feeling let down and disappointment, you can't go to your, un, uh, your emotionally unavailable father. Granted, yeah. kudos to you for being a provider, but she kind of talks about it in a, when it talks about, uh, what was the chapter? Don't get me lying. Um, work, what's love got to do with it? In that, in that chapter, she talks about like, yo, we kind of mirror what's uh, a good man mm-hmm. based on employment. But a lot of times the employment or the earnings that the the man is bringing in the household um it might not necessarily be a connection emotionally versus a need out of necessity somebody got to somebody got to make the money to have somewhere to live to support the household and then you you know she kind of goes into like gender roles and the conflict of, between gender roles in the household at, at 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 face value so you know the concept that we have these preconceived notions historically of like what is a good man i guarantee you man all of the sisters that i've ever had a conversation with will say well what's a good man oh a man is a provider a man is a protector <laughs> like and, that's and, that's usually one in two man and that's, that's usually one in two
0: that was embedded in them yeah right right like that was embedded in him. And hell, even think about if we were to ask, you know, what defines a good woman, depending on the age, right? If you would have asked me a couple of years ago, my description or qualifications for good would have looked a little different. Yeah. Right. But I, I want to go back to something. Um, when you said, like, if I'm hurting, could I go to my father? And one, one thing that she, she, was, she was opening so many Pandora boxes within this thing. And I, I, I think about a lot of the work that I've done with um, sexual trauma victims. And a lot of the things that I've heard specifically from men who are victims. They had a fear of telling their father what happened to them because they would be seen as less of a man less like than yeah or a boy yeah and that 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 was like whoo mhm and then reading this and it's like yeah going like the the thing that Jeff brought up like your father had to be like a heart attack potentially on his way to another like transitioning to another realm for you to be able to touch him. He was basically laying lifeless and couldn't stop you from touching him, which mm-hmm. was the only reason you were able to touch him. And it's like, wow. And then going back to when she wanted him dead a couple of times, like, yo, if, if he dies, we would, we would we be more free. able to be free. That's crazy. <laughs> like we, we could live and like, we could be free. And I'm just like, shit, that was heavy. Yeah. How, like, you, you internally, you were always stressed or in a, in a state of turmoil because you heard dad's truck pull up. Or, hell, even your lover sometimes. Like, when she talked about when she was like, maybe he'll get into an accident and won't come home today
1: i'm just like shit
0: but then that that removes right if he's supposed to be a provider and protector that removes the sense of protection <laughs> because you're 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 not like emotionally i'm not able to be like i'm always on edge because i don't know how you're going to respond and that that was that was heavy for me that was heavy that like men have placed women in a very vulnerable state of emotional abuse.
2: And I don't think we realize it. Not aware, at, at, bro, at all. You, we're, you, we're, we're not aware. Well, you just think, oh, she timid. She's shy. She's so quiet around me. Where, I mean, let's, let's be honest and take ownership. It's us. Yeah. We, we're the ones who are somewhat of the problem. And it made me think about when we talked, when you was talking about earlier, you know, at what age did you really talk about like your emotions? I gotta say it had to be after college for me Mm. when I really think about it. And (laughs) having this conversation, it's like, man, I want to contact so many women and say, you know what? I apologize. I just was not (laughs) where I should have been mentally at that time it it had nothing to do with you i remember in college i guess everything that i've always done from a relationship wise has been like loving and caring mm-hmm. forgive me i'm in a different place now i remember um my girlfriend at the time she was just like i guess she was pouring her heart out to me she was like i love you and i guess she was, she was waiting for me to say it back i was like I mean, I like you a lot, but I don't, I don't love you like that.
0: <laughs> Not like that.
2: And it wasn't like, I wasn't trying to be mean. I wasn't trying to be like this horrible person. I was just speaking on how I really felt. Yeah. But in, in, in all actuality, I think just growing up in this, this culture where she talks about, I just didn't know how to express my emotions. Yeah. I think in some of the things, well, let me say this. I feel like I was expressing them, but verbally, I was not using the language that I should have been using. And that was because I just grow grew up saying like, nah, that ain't love. That's this just it's play play. This yeah. this pup, this puppy love. This ain't this ain't some of that real stuff. But um talking about this uh what I just call PC for patriarchy culture, it it's she says it teaches us to challenge, not love. So it teaches men to challenge, not love. Yeah. And when and when they feel that friction, what we tend to do is we shame, we mm-hmm. withdraw, mm-hmm. we threat. We, sometimes it turns into a physical violence yeah. just to maintain our position. And I mean, like this book, it was such an eye open because it, it's not to say I have done these things 100% because a lot of these I haven't, but I've seen it. Yeah. i've seen it and to your to your point some of these abuses you know it's like almost like you gotta these the little lies and it's the big lies i think most people are like I, I ain't doing the big stuff but it's like yo we we are all guilty Absolutely. of doing this little stuff and sometimes when you're doing it to other people it feels the same
0: yeah
2: it don't matter if it was a little lie it still feels the same as a big lie so it it really made you just take a step back and say man am I really a part of the problem? Yeah. And and now saying, okay, how can I be more a part of the solution or just be more mindful of, of how I go about being a man in this world. And to be honest, I felt like this book kind of gave me a charge as a man. It's sometimes you can think your life don't matter from a standpoint of I'm not famous. I'm not, I'm not a husband, I'm not a father, but I feel like as a man, like there is an important role that you play in society and you have to be more intentional about the things you do. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you are, you know, the frontline employee, the manager or the CEO, you are still making an impact wherever you are. And, and, and let me just, another layer, especially as a black man. Yeah. We, in this society, we don't even take being like, being a teacher like that important. I feel like being a teacher is like that is one of the greatest things that you can be or do because of the impact that you have on so many lives. But but well, we treat that, teachers like shit. It,
1: <laughs> another topic for another day. But still, but you know, it's like like you say, it's it's important. Yeah. But you know, why if that if that if it's so important, why why does everybody and their mama get paid more than the teacher?
2: Exactly. Right. And, and the last the point I was gonna make about the whole teachers thing is even being like a, a male teacher, a black teacher, the impact that you can that you can have on society, on just this, enti- this entire like ecosystem is crazy. And I and I think one of the things this book did for me is say, look, don't ever think you're around here playing it small because your life just gonna have an impact.
1: That's real rap. That's real rap.
2: I remember um
0: you brought up a good example. When uh a girl that I was dating in college, she was always antsy around me. And like as soon as I would move, like she would move too. I'm like, what what is your what what's what's happening? <laughs> like it got to the point where I was annoyed and like she was like, Well, you've been quiet and I didn't I didn't know how you were gonna respond. I said, Respond to what? We're watching watching the movie. Like you're talking, I'm listening. I respond when you, when you ask a question or like I'm verbally and physically acknowledging that I'm listening. I'm like eye contact. And like, what, what is it that you, she goes, well, you know, I'm, I'm maybe it's just me, but she goes, anytime my dad got quiet and, and like, didn't give us what we thought he was supposed to give us, we, we didn't know how he was going to react and he typically reacted in anger. Like if everyone else is having a conversation and my dad is just sitting there, it normally resulted in some type of violent episode. So I said, so you assume that every man that is around you, when they are quiet, that they're going to go to that violent place that you've experienced. She's like, yes, every time. And I was like, that's that okay, that's let's unpack that because you that's that's a bad way to go out and and experience life by assuming that everything is like, oh, silence means that this is about to be a bad experience. This is about to be a, a negative response. And um we weren't together much longer after that because there was other things that that whole entire area of her growth and development focused around. And there was no, there was no, you know what, maybe I should talk to someone and see how I can resolve this. Cause it was always defaulting back to what one they were familiar with. And then two, the conversations that her mother had with her, like, Oh, well, you know, um, you know, that's just how your father is or Try not to do X, Y, and Z so your father doesn't like why like tiptoeing around your house. Like that's 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 something that you're gonna have to unpack. Like you, you The don't craziest wanna,
2: thing ever.
0: You don't wanna wake your dad. Wake that nigga up. Like, like. we're kids. We're, <laughs> like your children. I I remember I checked my cousin something terrible. Y'all keep it down. Uh, your dad's trying to sleep. But I was like, F him. <laughs> like these are kids. They they're like, they're at the stage where they're recognizing their voice. They're making noise. They're, they're learning about it. He's just going to have to figure this shit out. Ain't nobody telling him to go go out last night and party. And, then, like, it's, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was getting ready to take the kids out so they can go outside and play and scream, but I realized, like, I don't like dealing with that shit either, especially mm. since, since they got mine. And I was like, well, maybe I'll take them to get ice cream. And then I thought about the last time I took them to get ice cream. I was like, after them, like, wake them up. he would be all right but just the just that concept like she's whispering in her own house telling telling kids to like be quiet i was like so you want them to go to sleep no i don't want them to go to sleep cuz then they're going to be up all night pick your damn battle at this point mm-hmm. pick your battle but then it's like why are we starting to create these patterns of fear mm-hmm. i don't want to wake your dad up because you know he's going to and so now you're fearful and afraid of this man in the back, because like your mom is whispering and she's tiptoeing and she doesn't she doesn't want to do this and like, and, and so yeah, I had to check my cousin. Something terrible. Like, don't do that shit no more. Like, now nah, he just needs to understand. Like, now nah, I could see if he was sick and was like, all right, right. but take the kids somewhere else if he's sick. If he's home and needs to rest and needs to be signed, but like, don't start instilling fear. Um. In the household, because you don't want to wake the Incredible
2: hawk. And I never remember growing up. You know, your mom sleep. Don't you got to be quiet? It's... same thing. Yeah, you'll be, she'll be all right. Just close the door. You know, it 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 wasn't that even playing field. And something I often talked about. You know, she said silence keeps families this this culture maintained. Mm-hmm. And I think I think like that's a. That's more of a direct way of, hey, you know, being quiet and always tiptoeing, but just these family secrets. And you walking know, like, on
1: eggshells. Yeah. 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 Because you, be you can't be your full authentic self. Nobody can. If, if, if you're in a two-parent household, uh, the mother, father, the children, everybody walking on eggshells, nobody can be their full authentic self.
2: And I remember going, when I was getting ready to go to college, I was young, you know, I was saying some stuff. Thank God for maturity, but I was like, y'all ain't got to never worry about me coming back here. I'm going to do, do what I want to do. Like, at my house, I, I ain't doing this, or I ain't doing that. Like, it just don't make sense. And, I mean, obviously, I stayed in D.C. afterwards, but... I think it, what I really was speaking to is what we're talking about now. It was rules that it just, it did not make sense. And it just made everyone feel uncomfortable. And I was tired of being in an uncomfortable setting. Mm. This is why now when I talk about just building a home and, and things of that sort, and not the physical building a home, but, but just creating this atmosphere of home and, and family, I always want people to feel comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago, some. Well, oh, I think it was actually my family. It was like, I hate coming to your house because you can't never do nothing. Like you always straighten up or doing this, doing that, and I had to check myself because like that's not how I wanted them to feel. I wanted them to. I wanted them to feel like freedom here. Like, put your feet up. You want something to drink? Get something to drink. Put you your want feet to up eat. on what? The furniture? No. Oh, I was about to say like, you trip it. No, put your feet
0: up as in get relaxed. Got it. Oh, you got to be clear because niggas are going to put their feet up and then,
2: then it's- I paid too much for this leather. Hello, tufted <laughs> elephant leather. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't put your feet on that, but get comfortable <laughs> as much as you can. But um, yeah, you know, again, when you when you read this book, when you unpack so much, I think, you know, as we have like talked about it, you just start to look at one your just own life in terms of things that have happened, but also as you kind of like move into whatever stage you are at life, is it is how can I impact that knowing this information? Mm. So that's good. It was it was a good book. And lastly, I'll say, as much as I read it, I also was telling stuff to my fiance from a standpoint of like, yo, I just read this. How about this? Like, ain't this crazy? I'm sure she was was tired of hearing me, you know, read, but I said, I said, that's it. And I was like, I'm lying. I'm probably gonna come back and tell you about another piece of information. <laughs> and I, look, I'm one of them black people like, last thing, last thing. <laughs> one more thing, one more thing, <laughs> one more thing. Come on, look, you like, it's almost like you're leaving, but you say goodbye like <laughs> 10 times. Um, when I was reading this book, like when I really started to like read it this is probably one of the first times where like, I just wanted to read everything at that moment. Like, Mm. I'm like, I know I got stuff to do, but I just want to finish. Like this, this thing, this is good. (laughs) It is unpacking like a lot of information and I want to know like, what is she going to talk about next? Yeah. And I would say, we've read like some really good books, but this one, I don't know, like it. It just made me want to just figure out what was on the next page, which mm. is is rare. And again, this is not a book that I would just randomly pick up. If I knew this what this book was gonna be about, I probably would have been like, nah. But do we got anything else <laughs> that we can read? I ain't gonna lie, man.
1: I would have been like, yo, fictional. Let's 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 go the <laughs> fictional route,
2: let's, man. Let's let's talk about Black
0: Panther or something
1: Yeah, like real rap.
0: So on the Black Power Fist scale, what are we rating?
1: Mm. Well, for me, man, um, she she hit on so many different facets of life. Uh, And she kind of kicked off the book talking about how we are bred for war and violence as men. And it plays out among young black men all the time. And she ends the book um, in chapter 11, titled Loving Men. um, And she says, calling attention to the fact that war has not not, uh, simply been a male occupation, but rather the activity that is offensive to define manhood itself. You cannot be a man without love. You cannot be a man without compassion. you can't be a man and be emotionally unintelligent because if you are you almost cut your cut your legs out from under yourself and being in your full purpose and, um, presence as a man without love. And so, like I said, when I saw the cover and I saw her background, I'll be frank, man. I was like, I ain't trying to hit this shit, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be the best man I could be. I'm trying to raise a, a future man. I ain't trying to hear somebody's bashing and, you know, giving me a whole bunch of stuff that Uh, I'm I'm, I'm the fault of everything (laughs) and throughout the book she uh, really enlightened me on uh, from a historical perspective of how things became the way that they currently are and she calls out so fierce how fucked up it is all the way around for all parties involved like the fact that um, patriarchy exists is not only Dehabilitating to men is debilitating and dilapidating towards women too, because we all in this together. We all interconnected, and we all subscribing to the same bullshit. And so, for me, man, I'm gonna give it five fists for real, man. I'm gonna give it five fists off the rip, just because it was enlightening, it was enlightening, and it gives you other facets of love and masculinity to consider whether it be from a parental standpoint, whether it be from a media perspective, uh, from an occupational perspective, like the works, the work chapter fucked me up a little bit, man, because one of the things she goes, you know, there was a point in time where men learned about different kinds of work and figured out what they love to do. And then they went out and did it versus now, it's not about finding out what you love to do and making money off of it. You have to love money or love to make money and what the money can provide you in terms of access to more bullshit that reinforces patriarchy, and so I'm gonna give it five out the gate, man. Because I came into the I came into the book thinking one way or expecting one thing, and I got another, and it's ill because this book was written in 2004. So to me, it's almost like a precursor for the last legit five years of hot topic conversations, as far as with masculinity means, what manhood means. And um, I think if anyone is interested in toxic masculinity and how to change it, how to be a change agent, this book is a necessity to have in your repertoire to figure out how you can change and develop in the will to change and the tools that you need to have that will to make change and persevere through it. So five fists for me, man.
2: You just own it today with the the words, the fists, everything. I, I don't even know how I follow
1: this guy he, here.
2: He he always raised the bar so high for me. And I got <laughs> I got, I got a rise of the occasion. Um I'm starting to think it's it's good that I don't do research prior to reading these books because I just come in it just open-minded. I don't, I don't have like this lens up of, you know, what to expect or this going to be about X and I'm going to be bored or, you know, this is a topic I don't want to hear about. I just am open to, well, it's under X amount of pages. Okay. Let's, let's dive in. Um, I agree. I agree a lot with what Kevin said. I I think this book, it it will challenge your thinking. Regardless of you want to do more research or just unpack um, toxic masculinity, I think this is a good book just to understand men and and women to a certain extent and just understand how this world goes around. Even if you don't agree with it at the end of the day, you will say, you know what? I I feel like there is some truth to it. One of the things I said before on the topics of feminism and patriarchy, I do think this is a bit of a one-on-one or it's a a good foundation. I think from here, um, someone can dive deeper into those subjects. Not only that, I think that things that you probably didn't question before this book will say, you know what, let me, you talked about this, let me hear a little bit more about this other subject, because I, I can only speak for me. Prior to reading this book, this topic in general is not one I would gravitate to. But I don't know if it's the way that, that Bell wrote it, if she had me hooked.
1: I see what you did
0: there. Come on, man. He was waiting. He was I see waiting. He was waiting a sponsor. I see what you did there.
2: He held it too, and it was like, come on, bro. <laughs> Look, you know what? I, I feel like I'm gonna be that dad with the corny dad jokes. <laughs> just, just waiting. You know, just <laughs> like, um. But no, I definitely recommend, I would definitely recommend this book. This is actually a book, a few people, I'm going to say, hey, I think you should check it out. Good thing about it, because it's not, to your point, it's not like, oh, I'm just bashing. One, I don't feel like the author is bashing at all. Not at it's all. Not, not at it's all. not like you, she's attacking just like men versus women. It's like, to your point, everybody going to get it. So just wait in line, and, and I'm going to tell you how you contribute to it. Mm -hmm. And and as a result, this is a book that I want to recommend to uh, really a lot of women as well as men, but a a few of like my friends come in mind, like, yo, you really take a look at this book. And the whole purpose of me wanting them to read it is to really understand like men and, and somewhat of like the psyche And, you know, as they continue to, like, matriculate, it's, you know, just sometimes, like, you know, like, I don't understand, like, why are you acting like this? Or what's going on here? It's like, hey, it it may be because of these things. And am I contributing to it? Obviously, as a man, this is something for you to, like, check yourself at the door. If you're doing any of these things, again, it's up to you to decide if you want to change, but at least you are aware of it. So three of the things um, in this book I thought that this book basically uh talked about or or if you had to tie it up with with three points is you know patriarchy prevents men from loving and getting in touch with their feelings another idea uh boys are thought to suppress their feelings and this leads to anger and violence and patriarchy teaches men to crave at times violence and sex but not love read the book the book is going to get into all that, but I feel like those were the three like main things it kind of talked about. Um, Two, two kind of like quotes from, from Bill that I thought were good were the more males break this culture, the lives of everyone's get better. And I was like, Ooh. And when she talked about breaking the culture, you know, just so I'm clear, it's not just like males breaking it. It's just like more as, we women and men break this culture like everyone's life will get better um and then she you know talked about the world needs what the world needs now is a different type of man which i thought hmm. heavy man heavy. yeah i was like Oof. and to your when you talked about the whole 2004 when this book was written i thought this book actually was written like more uh recent than that Ill, Ill thing she passed away last year she passed away in december why nobody ain't tell me they did you just probably didn't know who she was but it's fair the shade room ain't tell me that now <laughs> <laughs> i'm I think gonna keep it 100 too. i think they i think did? the shade room did post did? something
0: on her too yeah it's all right just say you missed it
2: i may have i may have been doing work actual work that day probably nonetheless less, you missed it <laughs> with all that said I'm going to give it five.
1: Oh. I'm going to give it five.
2: Oh. I, and I'll say this y'all, for anybody listening. If I'm giving it five, just go ahead and get the book right now. If I'm going to give it, if I'm going to give it five fists, this is a must read. And I normally don't say I'm going to read something twice, but I'm actually going to read this twice. Mm. Not right this second, but I have to circle back on this book because it, it was just so much in it. You just yeah. I'm gonna cool.
1: need a therapy session after reading.
0: I'm proud of you, Jeff. I'm proud of. This is a moment. <laughs> We're having a moment here, Jeff. Jeff. I was very own cousin, Jeff. <laughs> like you, I'm proud of you, bro. Like if ain't nobody gonna tell you, I, I, sir, I am. Your brother. i, I proud it. of you. I, I was very own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like that.
1: Representing the Mecca,
0: (laughs) I um, five it was a five for me off rip, and um, highly recommend this book to any and everybody, especially those looking to go deeper within relationships. Um, most of her books will have you reflecting and wanting to make a change, and this one, this one was this one was it. So, this was a good pick. Uh, the Will to Change by Bill Hooks. Five hmm. out of five,
1: brothers. Five out of five, man. It's a that first. Is, it's a, a first. first. It's a first on this show, man. It's a yeah, first on this the first show.
2: Wait, after, after how many books?
1: Spend a minute. Yo, ain't gonna lie, we, we man. In double
2: digits. We, yeah, we in double, double digits. digits now, man. We we really Look, in
1: double digits right now.
2: This, this is how you know something is good. My my mindset. This kind of like the Hall of Fame. Everybody's not gonna get in the Hall of Fame. That's yeah. true. It's gonna be some years. You nobody just deserve to get in this elite class. Mm. We, she, it, she in the five
1: the five fifth get the five fifth scale all by a lonesome. It, it all it takes is
0: one.
2: All
1: it takes is one. That, all it takes is one, Queen man.
2: Mother Bell
0: Hooks. Queen Ooh.
1: Mother Bell Hooks.
0: Straight out her. of
1: Hopkinsville, Kentucky, man. Wow. And, and shout out to uh, Berea College, where she was a distinguished professor in residence and uh, established the Bell Hooks Institute in 2014. For all of our listeners, if you don't know about Berea College... Um, Berea College in Kentucky charges no tuition Mm. and so for those of you who are out there that are looking for education Berea Kentucky might be an option for you you got powerful minds like bell hooks just representing so check it out man check it out
2: anybody out there looking for a label well, you know, the owner ain't all in your bit. Be- I'm sorry. You know I'm black. It made me think about shit night. In the show, bro. In the yeah. show.
1: Well, you've just witnessed another edition of Bourbon and Books with the Game Recognized Game podcast with RLJ and Kev, along with our dear brother, Cousin Jeff. Yes, sir. <laughs> the Will to Change, Men, Masculinity, and Love. By Queen Mother Sister, Bell Hooks, five out of five, Black Power fist on the GRG podcast. Till next time, be like,
0: be like.